wish I didn't have to go to this stupid meeting. I always say the wrong thing. I'm just gonna embarrass myself again. I used to be nervous about going to the meetings, but now I actually look forward to them. God always gives me the right thing to say. I heard he was an arrogant jerk. My buddy says he's full of himself and he's impossible to be around. You know what? I'm gonna give him a chance. You never know until you get to know someone. He may be really a nice guy. You want me to help him? Are you kidding me? I could barely help myself, much less someone else. Wow. I'd be honored to reach out to him. I know I'm not perfect, but I remember when I needed the same thing and a buddy reached out to me. Count me in. Succeeding at the big things has a lot to do with the little things. Words matter. Small things, big difference. Well, thank you to all of you at all of our churches for joining together today to celebrate the goodness of God, to worship together, and to hear God's word. All of our network churches and those of you at Church Online, we love you all very, very much. Today, we're in part three of a four-part message series called Small Things, Big Difference. And I just want to say as we enter into this message that I honestly believe that as we look at what some would call a really small principle, that some of you, if you apply this, you'll look back at your life years from now and see a tremendous difference because of what God does in your life today. And I honestly believe that is absolutely and completely a very real possibility that when you make some small changes, you'll see a big difference. In fact, that is our key thought for this message series so often. You look at people who have things you don't have, They've accomplished things that you haven't accomplished, and you wonder, what big things are they doing that I'm not doing? And our key thought for this series, if you're taking notes, is it's not always the big things, but it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Let me say it again, because this is such an important principle we have to understand, that it's often the small things in our lives that no one else sees that makes all the big difference in the things that everyone else wants. In fact, we talked about a well-known quote. Last week, we dealt with our thoughts. Why? Our thoughts matter so much because our thoughts influence our words. Our words influence our actions. Our actions become our habits, and our habits create a destiny. It's a small thing that impacts our life in a big way. And today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the power of your words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Whenever God created the world, he did it with the spoken Word. Our words are incredibly powerful. In fact, Solomon said this about our words in Proverbs 18, 21. He said, the tongue has massive power. What kind of power does the tongue have? Everybody say it with me. He said, the tongue has the power of life and of death. Say it again. The power has the tongue of life and of death. In other words, the words that we speak can be life-giving words or the words we speak can be life taking words. In fact, if you want to jot down a couple of thoughts in your notes, this would be really important. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. I want to say it again because this is a good place for somebody to say amen. You may not be quite into it yet, but this is a really good place. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. And everybody said 
Amen. Because small changes in the words that we speak can make a big difference in the life that we live. In fact, James said this a long time before I did. If you're not a church person, you may not know who James is. James is actually the brother of Jesus. And some scholars believe that James is the best evidence in the divinity of Christ. How do I know that? Because imagine this. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? <laughs> Think about that, okay? If James thought Jesus was the son of God, that's pretty good evidence if you ask me. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, said in chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. He talked about how small things can make a big difference. He said, we can make a what size horse? We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a what? by means of a small bit in his mouth. A little small bit can move a large horse because small things can make a big difference. And then he talked about a huge ship and he said, a what size rudder? A little small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. Small things can make a big difference. And then he continued in this line of thinking, talking about the power of our words and the power of our tongue. He said, in the same way, the tongue is what? It is a small thing that can make grand speeches. In other words, a well-crafted speech can move a crowd to do massively good things. The flip side is true as well. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There is power of life and death in our words. You can speak life-giving words or life-taking words. For example, if you show me a marriage that is struggling, I can guarantee you what we'll see will be a lot of life-taking words. On the other hand, you show me a marriage that's doing well, and I promise you, you will see an abundance of life-giving words. You take somebody that you don't like to be around. They make you feel small and unimportant. You've got a boss that drives you crazy. What you'll find is an abundance of life-taking words. On the other hand, there's someone that you love to be around. They build you up. What you're going to see is plenty of life-giving words. In fact, Solomon... The wisest man who ever lived, he contrasted many times the difference between life-giving and life-taking words. Let's look at two scriptures. Proverbs 12, 18. He said, the words of the reckless, what do they do? They, they pierce like swords. I bet every single one of you have been pierced before by life-taking words. But the tongue of the wise does what? It brings healing. It's life-giving. Someone can give you just the proper word at the right time. You're like, oh, that's all I needed to go on. It's life-giving. Then he says in Proverbs 15, 4, he says, the soothing tongue is a what? It's a tree of life. It's life-giving. But on the other hand, a perverse tongue does what? It crushes the spirit. I don't know how many of you have had your spirit crushed by life-taking words. I, I guarantee almost everybody has at some point. I mean, it can be as meaningless as when someone looks at you and says, did you mean to do that to your hair? Like, oh, you don't like it? I, I just got it done. I paid a lot of money for that. You know, or like, you know, why aren't you married at this age in your life? You're like, shut up and get out of my face right now. You know? <laughs> and, and they hurt you or it could be something much more intentional. You know, I can't stand you. I found someone else. I never loved you anyway. You're pathetic. I wish I never had you. Life-taking words pierces like a sword, crushes the spirit. 
On the other hand, many of you have been blessed by life-giving words. Man, I'm so proud of you. You're the best of the best. I'd marry you all over again. You're my dream come true. I'm so thankful God puts you in my life. And that just builds you up. There's something about life-giving words. It's healing to the soul. In fact, with my six children, we, we do have six kids because there are a li- lot of life-giving words spoken in our marriage. And when there's life-giving words, there's life-giving. Anyway, and so, um, <laughs> sorry for the hand motions. I don't know where that came from. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so glad Amy's not here at this one. <laughs> and, uh, so, anyway, I, I give life-giving messages to my uh, different kids and we have little sayings. My, one of my favorites is uh, Anna, not my favorite kid, my favorite saying. Uh, I, I love them all equally. Uh, but with Anna, what I say is, um, uh, she's a little girl. I, I bring her and I say, Anna, whenever God made you, he called all the angels in together. And he said, angels, watch this. I'm about to show off. Then he made you. And Anna just loves that. I, I've told that for years. One day she said, Dad, you tell me that all the time. I said, do you want me to stop? She goes, no, I'm just making an observation, okay? <laughs> because there's something about life-giving words. Um, Amy's great about, she sends me life-giving texts, really encouraging texts, and sometimes kind of romantic texts. We like to say we have hot texts, but that's just what I like to say. And so this week I, I taught a message, and she couldn't be there, but she watched online, and afterwards she said, good preacher, mega man. I'm just like... I don't know why good preaching and Mega Man together for my wife makes me feel close to God and close to her. Okay, there's like 50 things I could say right now, but I already made hand gestures. So I'm not going to say anything, and we're just going to move on. So what I want you to do, right, is it okay if we have fun today? Is it all right? All right, good. Okay, what I want to do is, uh, is help you audit your words. Last week we did a thought audit, and today I want to kind of look at the words we speak and ask yourself, are you speaking more life-giving words or life-taking words to other people? And then I want you to think about the words you speak to yourself, okay? Let's, let's start with other people. In your notes, uh, there's a 1 through 10. If you speak more life-taking words, you know, you, you didn't do a good job, why is your room a mess, I can't stand that, you always leave the toilet lit up, you're pathetic, you make me crazy, you, dry, you know, I wish I'd never, whatever. If that's you, I want you to put like a 1, 2, 3, 4, something down there. If, on the other hand, you speak more life-giving words, I'm so proud of you. You're the, you're the best husband. I thank God for you, man. That was an incredible meal. You're doing a great job. At, you know, you're, you're a great employee. I'm so glad I hired you. I want you to take a moment and be real honest and circle what you think represents your words with others. So go ahead and do it right now. I want to see everybody doing this. This is important. And then let's talk about our words to ourselves. Um, Are your words to yourselves more life-taking or more life-giving? Think about your inner talk, what you say in your mind. Do you say more life-taking words like, uh, man, you're going to blow this. You're no good. Your life's always going to be bad. Uh, You know, this is going to be a tough day. Oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. The things aren't going to, they never work out for me. I never get the breaks. If that's you, put a lower number. If, on the other hand, you say, you know what, God is with me. God is going to bless me. I'm so thankful for this day. We're going to nail it. This is going to be great. With Christ, I can do all things. Who gives me strength, then put a higher number. How many of you um, speak more life-giving words to others than you do yourself? I'm just, just curious, to others and yourself? Kind of what I thought, okay? If you didn't put a 10 on both of these, guess what? There is tremendous room for improvement. Why? Because there is power 
in our words. If you want to change the life you have, change the words you speak. You make some small changes in the words you speak, and that will make a big difference in the life that you have. Our words have the power of life, and our words have the power of death. So let me give you two very, very powerful rules about life-giving words. The first one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to sound like your mama with no apologies at all because your mama was right when she said, if you can't say something helpful, skip it. Don't say anything at all. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Skip it. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4.29. He said, do not let any, what? Would you say this aloud with me, everybody? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what kind of talk? The kind of talk that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, if that doesn't convict some of you, you're not paying attention. Do not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Some of you, if you just apply this one verse to your life, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your work relationships, to your friendships, then your whole time at church was incredibly worthwhile. Okay? The King James Version says this, if you can't say something helpful, shut thy trap. Doesn't really say that, but it should, okay? Shut thy mouth, okay? And don't elbow your spouse. Do not elbow your spouse. Don't you know like this, okay? Because if you're elbowing it, you need to elbow yourself. I'm talking to you, okay? You need to hear this. If you can't say something helpful, skip it, close it, bite it, zip it. Don't say anything at all. Very simple, very direct. The second rule, I want to spend more time here because this is really important. Number one, if you can't say something helpful, skip it. Number two, if you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. This is a rule that I try to apply and live out. Anytime I think something good about someone else, about God, about myself, about my circumstances, I want to give it life by saying it. In fact, Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious what? Everybody say it loud. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Notice Solomon did not say gracious thoughts are like honeycomb. What did he say? Gracious words, not thoughts. I say, I can have a good thought about you. You're like, what are you doing? Thinking about you? Well, that doesn't mean anything. But if I set it free, then the words have the power to give life and bless. In fact, I'm so thankful for my parents. They were very, very encouraging. Uh, my mom, as a child, I honestly believe her words of life helped me to do what I do today because she gave life to it. She didn't just think Craig, you're gifted or you're special. She said, you're gifted, you're special. You're, God put something in you. God's going to use you to do great things. And those little deposits, I believe, planted seeds in my soul that now have a harvest in what I do. My dad, he's kind of funny in the way he encourages. You see, he played um, some pro baseball, minor league pro baseball. And so he doesn't know how to say anything unless it's baseball language. That's just the way everything is baseball language. In fact, when he became a Christian, what he said is, son... Thanks to Jesus, I was safe under the tag. Okay, that's, how he, that's what he means when he got saved. He, you know, um, in fact, I, I often wondered when I went into ministry, 
if I disappointed some of the people that cared about me most because when I, they thought I'd do, you know, something that was big, and so I was a little junior pastor, you know, and I thought they would be disappointed in me even though I knew God wanted that. You know, I wasn't leading a life church back then. It was just a real small thing. And my dad sent me a card that meant so much. He said, he said, son, I want you to know you're serving God, and now you're in the majors. So proud of you. Love, Dad. I can't tell you what I'm in the majors. And now my dad, if he wants to know if I'm preaching or not, he texts me this week. He says, son, are you on the mound? He <laughs> are you preaching? I said, yes, I am. He said, Keep it low and inside, and that's, that, you know, so that's, that's what it is. But it, those words, they build me up. They're life-giving words that, that help shape me to who I become. Anytime you think something good, say it. Anytime you think something good, say it. In fact, uh, one of the most moving stories in my history of being a pastor started years ago, back before Life Church, when there was a guy, I'll call him Scott, who served in my previous ministry, and one day I just felt prompted to encourage him. Just like, I just felt like I was supposed to do it. And so I stopped and said, Scott, you're killing it, man. You're so faithful. And his eyes went down and he couldn't even look me in the eye. And he said, no, I'm pathetic. And, and he just expressed all sorts of hurt. And I could tell he wanted to talk more. I said, so hey, come to my office Monday. Let's talk this thing out. And he came to my office and we sat down and within a few minutes he told me he was thinking about taking his life. And so I asked some more questions, and it became obvious that he was serious. And so I was young, 23 maybe or so, and I'm praying, God, you give me the words to say. And God put something on my heart that I've never done before nor since, but I took out a yellow pad, and I started writing the numbers, one, two, three, all the way down to 100. And I said, Scott, you're going to tell me 100 reasons why God has gifted you and you're supposed to live. And he said, I don't have any. I said, shut up. You're going to give me some reasons. Tell me something good about yourself. He goes, there's nothing. I said, tell me something good about yourself. And he said, I'm a good writer. There you go. And he was. I wrote that down. You're a good writer. He said, give me another one. He said, there's nothing. I said, come on, give me something good. He said, I'm funny. <laughs> I wrote it down. He kind of in a witty sort of way. He said, give me another one. He said, I look like Robert Redford. I said, you're very funny, but I'm not writing that down. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not, give me something real. You know? And he wouldn't do it, and I pushed him for a while, and, and finally he said, I pray a lot for other people, and I wrote it down. And we went through this when, when I, I just kept pressing it. When we got to like 12 or 13 or 14, I can't remember exactly, but there was like this breakthrough, and he started telling me things through the tears and couldn't stop. He's like, I, I write thank you notes for everything. I helped a guy change a tire. I led someone to Christ. I made a 31 in math on my ACT. You know, and he was going on and on and on. People say I'm a good listener. People like to tell me their problems. And we wrote through his tears 100 good things about him. And I took the piece of paper and I folded it up. I said, I want you to keep this because on this paper are words of life. Why God has gifted you and why you have a lot to offer to this world. And we prayed, it was a very emotional moment, and, and um, he moved after that and I lost track of him. Well, years went by, we started Life Church. years and years went by, and after teaching one week, I was greeting people, and sure enough, up walked Scott. He had a wife now, which he didn't years later, he's beaming, he had a little son, and I gave him a high five and then hugged him, I was like, dude, aren't you so glad you did? And he's like, oh, yes, I'm so glad. And we, it was a really emotional moment. And he reached into his back pocket, pulled out his wallet, opened it up. 
he reached in and pulled out this wadded up piece of yellow paper and he handed it to me and he said, I don't need this anymore because I don't have the words on the page. The words are now written on my heart. And, you know, I, I still wonder, what if I hadn't stopped to offer words of life even that first time? Words are so powerful. Words are so, when you think something good, send the text, post the comment, pick up the phone and call them, say them, write the note, tell them, every, make it a rule. Make it a rule. You want to change your relationships every time you think something good, say it. Make it a rule. Don't ever hold a blessing back. Why rob anyone else from a blessing of giving them life? Every time you think it, say it. And not just to other people, but say it to yourself. Because if you look at your word audit, many of you, you are saying very negative things to yourself. You're speaking life taking words to yourself. Why would you ever be so stupid, okay? David, I love uh, looking at his story. One time when he was worried that he was going to be stoned, he spoke life-giving words to himself. In fact, the text says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I love this. He encouraged himself. Every now and then, I just have to preach to myself. I don't know about you, but I need to tell myself, God, you'll give me faith for this. God, I believe that your hand is upon me. God, I believe you're working in all things to bring about good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. Every now and then, you just have to speak to yourself and encourage yourself with words of life and affirmation, encouraging yourself not just that you can do it, but that God can do it through you. Encourage yourself in the things of the Lord. I like to say it this way. If you want to see it, say it. If you want to see it, say it. You say what you want to see. I know that sounds like a John Mayer song, but just work with me, all right? You just, you just, if you want to see it, you say it. And, and what I'm not saying is, is like, I want to see a Mercedes in my garage in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that, okay? I don't know why Mercedes and Jesus, ha Jesus has four syllables whenever you're praying for a Mercedes. You know, TV preachers make Jesus have a lot of syllables. Jesus, anyway, I don't understand that. But I'm, I'm talking about saying what is consistent with God's truth. God, I believe you want to bless my marriage. And you say it. You say what you want to see. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, he didn't say if you talk about the mountain. He said if you speak to the mountain and have faith to see it removed, then it will be removed. In Ezekiel, God said prophesy to the dead bones. Speak to the dry bones. He didn't say talk about them. He said speak to them. If you want to see it, you say it. You say, God, I believe that, that you're going to work in my life. God, by faith, I believe you're going to heal the person that I'm praying for. God, by faith, I believe you're going to help us get out of debt. If you want to say, you want to see it, you say it. In fact, I want to give you one small life-changing phrase that if you will apply this, I promise you, over years, you will see a difference in your life. Because if you want to change your world, change your words. If you want to make a big difference in the way you live, make a small change in the words that you speak. Because there's power in our words. Every time you speak, don't miss this, apply it, and I promise you it'll make a big difference. Every time you speak, make sure immediately following whatever you say, you can add the words to it, and that's the way I want it. Every time you speak, make sure you can say with integrity, 
And that's the way I want it. For example, if you're talking about your marriage, guess what you don't say? I'm so sick and tired of my marriage, it's probably going to end in divorce. And that's the way I want it. See, that didn't work, okay? I'm so, you, you get on my nerves so much, I wish I'd never married you. And that's the way I want it. That does not work. I'm pathetic. I never, I, I never make a difference. I never get the breaks. My life's always going to suck. And that's the way I want it. You see, your words are powerful. If instead you have integrity and say, you know, my marriage isn't going well right now, but I am going to surrender my heart to the Lord and I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church and I believe God is going to bring healing to my marriage because that's the way I want it. I, I know we're in debt right now, but we're going to learn to live beneath our means and with God's help, we're going to climb out of debt and we're going to not only be tithers, but we're going to be massively generous because that's the way I want it. If you can add that phrase to everything you say, you're going to watch as your words change, your thoughts matter because they become your words. Your words matter because they become your actions. Your actions matter because they become your habits. And your habits matter because what you do repeatedly is who you become. And if you can make some small changes in the words you speak, it can make a big difference in the life you live. In fact, in week number one, I asked you to focus in on one small thing. What do we talk about? Having one word that would drive and direct your upcoming year. Last week, I talked about having one thought that would drive and direct your upcoming year. This week, I want to talk to you about having one statement, one statement that you say again and again and again and again that will drive and direct your year. One small statement that can make a big difference in the way you live. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, can my thought be my statement? And the answer is, of course, but it can't stay a thought. It has to become a statement. Not only do we think about things that are lovely, pure, admirable, and excellent, but we also give life to it by taking our life-giving thoughts and making them life-giving words. For example, my one word is rest. My one thought is from Hebrews 4, and that is I will do my best to enter God's rest. And so I can honestly tell you with integrity, in this calendar year alone, I've probably said that out loud over 500 times, over and over and over again. Why? Because I'm so spun up. I can't shut my mind down. Uh, no, actually, that's not true. I can shut my mind down because that's the way I want it, okay? I, I will do my best to enter his rest. I've said it again and again and again because I will be better when I'm resting in the things that matter and will have a stronger impact when I'm doing it out of his power and not in my own efforts. I will do my best to enter his rest. I can't tell you what one small statement again and again and again, how big of a difference it can make in your life. Let me give you an example. Last year I had one statement. My statement was this. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites in me. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites in me. I'll tell you why that was my statement, because uh, I've kind of entered the second half of my life, and I want to be sharper physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually than I ever have been before, because I believe the work of God in front of me is more important than it ever has been before. And so I'm looking at all areas of my life, and physically I've always worked out, but I never ate really, really good. Honestly, I ate a lot better than some of you, because I've seen what you eat, okay? But I never ate really clean. And so I did some research, and I found out what was good to eat, what was not good to eat. Problem is, I like chocolate, and I like donuts. 
I like chocolate donuts, okay? I like Dr. Pepper with cherry in it, all these other things like that. And so I kind of tried to go sort of eat good, sort of not. And I still go back, and there's free donuts at church on the weekend. Okay. So Christ in me, not me in me, Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I said it again and again and again, and suddenly um, I ate only one hamburger last year. I ate only two pieces of pizza. I ate zero donuts, zero soft drinks. I ate virtually clean for an entire year. It transformed um, my body. That's one reason why Amy calls me Mega Man, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know um, and it was transformed in this. Um, and what it did is it gave me the, the ability to believe that if I have the power through Christ to overcome that, what else can I overcome? It's this confidence of knowing Christ in me. One statement changed the way I eat, which changes the way I feel, which changes the way I believe God can work in me. One statement. Don't miss the power of this. It's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. If you want to change the life you have, change the words you speak. Because words are powerful. They're the power of life and of death. We don't speak life-taking words to others. We speak life-giving words to others. We don't speak life-taking words to ourselves. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. If we think something that's not good, we're going to skip it. We're going to bite it. Every time, though, we think something good, we're going to give life to it, and we're going to say it, and we're going to bless others in what we say. We're not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Why? Because our words matter. If we make small changes in the words we speak, it will make a big difference in the life we live. If we want to change our world, we start by changing our words. Because it's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. And our our words will glorify God, improve our relationships, and make us more like Christ because that's the way we want it. <laughs> Father, we pray today that this one small truth would have an impact on marriages, relationships, friendships that would help move our life forward to become what you want it to be. As you pray today at all of our different churches, uh, I just want to ask one very simple application question. How many of you would go before God and ask him for one statement? And don't just get a statement, but make a statement again and again and again. Give it life. Say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because you really believe that a small change in the words you speak will make a big difference in the life you live. At all of our churches, those of you who say, yes, I will Pray about, seek God for one statement that will help direct my year. Would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up high. Man, I love this. Hands up all over the place. God, thank you for a church full of people that truly want to glorify you in the way they live. God, I pray that as they seek you, God, you may take their thoughts and that could become the statement for their year. You may give them something entirely different. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be an exercise that comes and goes but that this would be something that is born out of your heart, planted in their heart. God, that would direct and empower their year, just like the truth that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites in me. 
And God, I thank you for that one statement that redirected my gear in a way that drew me closer to you and strengthened my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that I could better serve and glorify you. God, give them a statement, one small thing, that would change the way they live. God, I pray that every time they speak words, they would realize if it's not helpful, they're not going to say it. But God, if it gives life, they will say it and set it free. And Father, I pray that every time we say something that is not pleasing to you or helpful to others, that we remember that's not the way we want it that we would allow our words to line up with your truth because that's the way you want it. Now, Father, I pray for those that don't know you that you would do a divine work in their hearts. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I want to tell you about the power of your spoken confession. Some of you right now, when you look at your life with God, you think, I'm not sure where I stand with God. In fact, if you just look at your words, let me tell you what Jesus said. He said, by your words, you will be acquitted or condemned. He said, your words reflect your heart. Out of your heart, the overflow of your words come. If you look at your words and they are not pleasing to God, it could be evidence that you don't truly know God in a very real and a personal way. What do you do? You recognize that. You realize, I'm not walking with him. You may feel, well, I'm not good enough, so I need to try hard and before I come to him. And let me tell you what, that's not what the Bible teaches. Instead, what you need to do is recognize, yes, you are not good enough, but Jesus was good enough. Jesus is the Son of God who was born without sin, who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He became sin for us on the cross, died and rose again, so that... The Bible says, whoever confesses with their mouth, notice that the power of your words, whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an empty life on this earth, more importantly, saved from an eternity separated from God in a very real place the Bible calls hell. At all of our churches today, there are those of you that it's time for you to make a confession, to confess your sins before God. And when you do, he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and confess your need for Jesus. When you do, he will make you brand new. Confess him as Lord. And when you ask him to be first in your life, he will dwell within you, forgive you for every sin, and make you brand new. And that is exactly why many of you are here today. You want to see a small change that will make an eternal difference? You turn from your sins and you turn toward Christ and you let him make you new. At all of our churches, those of you who say, that's me, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I need his mercy. Today, by faith, I surrender my life to him and I call on Jesus to make me new. If that's your prayer, would you lift up your hands high right now? Just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Right up here, both of you, all four of you up here, God bless you guys. Others of you, sir, right here, praise God for you. And right here, sir, right back here, both of you. Let me just find you eye to eye, both of you right here together. God bless you guys. Others of you who say, man, right back here, one, two, three of you back here together. Oh, praise God for you. Others of you right over here, sir, right up here close saying, yes, I need him. Right there, sweetheart, God bless you. Church online, you click right below me. Would you all pray together? Everybody pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sins. I confess my need for you. Jesus, save me. Be first in my life. Be my Lord. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you, know you, follow you, and live for you. My life is not my own. 
I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big? Would you welcome those today born into God's family? Celebrate new life in Christ.